Hey listeners, thanks for tuning in to another Words of Radiance episode. First things first, I caught on record Emily's reaction when Dalinar asked for an apology. So here's that real quick. That's so. This is just so <laughs> delicious. So delicious. Not use, hun. And here's the rest of the episode. Take it away, theme song. listeners. Hi everybody! We're back for another episode. We are recording from... Wait, which podcast is this? I don't even know at this point. (laughs) We've recorded so many. So many. Welcome back to My Sister Made Me View It, currently going through Words of Radiance by Brandon Sanderson. We are just recording in my living room in California. Maybe when we do Oathbringer we'll get fancier recording equipment and a setup, but until then... Emily and I are in princess dresses, <laughs> sitting on my Ikea couch. With tiaras on. With tiaras on. <laughs> and we are tearing through the ending of Words yes. of Radiance. Uh, so this week, we read... Oh yeah, my name's Megan. Uh, I should be cleaning my kitchen. My name is Emily. I'm on vacation. But instead... Instead... We're making a podcast. We're making a podcast. All right, today we are covering chapter 76, The Hidden Blade, chapter 77, Trust, chapter 78, Contradictions, and chapter 79, Towards the Center. Ah. Hamley, how'd you like that taste of justice? I loved it. It was so good. It was amazing. It was everything I wanted in my life. There's so much in these books I want to draw. Okay. I want to draw Amaram and Kaladin's face when Dalinar says, not you, son. <laughs> it was, okay. So when Sadius betrayed us all and, mm-hmm. you know, we're back and I'm just like, where's the justice? Where's, where is this? I want this man dragged off in chains and blah, 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 blah. Because I feel like that's what would have affected Sadius the most. Like, that uh-huh. would have been the most. But what happens to Amaram, people finding out who he is exactly is, like, the worst possible thing that could have happened to him. I loved it. All right. Well, before we get to that most triumphant of moments, uh, Emily, can you give me the epic? Yes, it says, they will come. You cannot stop their oaths. Look for those who survive when they should not. That pattern will be your clue. From the diagram, Coda of the Northwest Bottom Corner, Paragraph 3. So, Part 5 is all going to be from the diagram. And it's kind of the ravings of a madman. You know, even though he's really, really brilliant. And so, like, this doesn't have any punctuation. And, like, the next one, I think, is, like, they all run together and there's no spaces. And it just kind of sounds you know, pretty out there. And anyways, but I love that they put like where they find all of these Mm -hmm. things. I think that's great. Uh, Next week's reading has my favorite diagram quote. Just, I think it's funny. (laughs) So, but this uh, is what, I'm so sorry. Go ahead. Nope. You go. This is what Teravanchian 
was saying. Yeah. And so he, you know, like you were saying, he does remember sort of what what he does. And they're mm-hmm. like, this is how you need to look out for him. And yeah. All right. So Bridge 4 is Bridge headed out. Bridge the place. Not all of Bridge 4. No. Uh, we need a small group to guard the king. And then Emily turns to me and says, I think I'll let Moash guard the king. And I said, that would be pretty stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and it is. <laughs> oh, man. So, um, Kaladin's on painkillers. He doesn't... But not the good ones. Yeah. He doesn't want to use fire moss. Uh, his father had hated using the addictive stuff. Mm-hmm. We have seen a couple people use fire moss already. It's the rubbing in your fingers sort rubbing of a thing. Your fingers. So is it you rub it in your fingers and like you inhale the, the smoke or the spores that it spits out or like it's absorbed through your fingers? I, I want to say it's the smoke. Mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure. I've never used it. You've never <laughs> indulged. <laughs> uh, Zeph has tried it. He said the smoke just gave him a headache. Okay. Uh, Tim used to use it quite often. Okay. And well, we know how she ended up. Uh, do you know what? I'm what? feeling generous and a little... I've been podcasting all day, so I'll tell you. You know a character that regularly uses fire moss. Is it rock? No. Oh, okay. But maybe we'll talk more about that. Okay. Uh, just, he's so happy all the time. <laughs> and I just wonder. And he drugs just cook. make you no, happy. No, no. And he cooks, so if it's like So he's weed. like a stoner. <laughs> His name is Rock. <laughs> His name is Rock because he's a stoner. <laughs> No, uh, so Lopin's here, and I would like to clarify something, because mm-hmm. um, our Edge Dancer episode just came out. Well, not Edge Dancer, our, our Lift interlude just came out, mm-hmm. and I, I listed characters in the Cosmere of which I was less fond. And I want to be clear, I do not hate Lift, I do not hate the Lopin, I just don't find them funny. Mm-hmm. I do hate Wayne, but that's different. That's a different reason. He's mean to someone I like. <laughs> Way meaner than Moash ever was to Kaladin. <laughs> so anyway, Lopin is here talking to Kaladin, who's who's really mourning the loss of Syl. Mourning the loss of Syl. It's the beginning of the weeping. He cannot heal himself. He is just having a bad time. I've lost the ability, Lopin, he said. Syl has left me. The lean Herdazian fell unusually silent. Well, he finally said, maybe you should buy us something nice. <laughs> buy something nice for a spread yeah like i don't know a nice plant maybe or a new hat yes a hat might be cheap she's small if taylor tries to charge you full price for a hat that small you thump him real good that's the most ridiculous piece of advice i've ever been given you should rub yourself with curry and go prancing through the camp singing hornito lullabies what See, now the bit about the hat is only the second most ridiculous piece of advice you've ever been given, so you should try it. <laughs> Women like hats. I have this cousin who makes them. I can ask her. You might not even need the actual hat, just the spread of the hat. That will make it even cheaper. <laughs> I loved that. Listen, I have always, I'm not going to say fallen for, but I always tend to enjoy the the humorous sidekicks characters more than like the main characters. Like uh-huh. you've got national treasure, you know, that sort of thing. And I don't know. I just, I, the Lopin is, is, I always know we're in a good, we're in for a good time when yeah. the Lopin is around. He's so. great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shouldn't he be more Italian though? If he's got all those cousins, <laughs> like the mob. 
I do a different accent. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, he's Australian this time because we've been watching 1999 Roswell, Mm -hmm. and the actress for Tess is Australian, and I keep hearing her accent come through, Mm because I've also been rewatching Once Upon a Time, in which she is an Australian belle. (laughs) Rumpelstiltskin. (laughs) (laughs) Rumpel. Listen, it would take way too long. But? But I would do that as my sister made me do it. Yes, you heard it here? <laughs> Don't edit that out. I would love that. Just saying, when are we going to do that? After we finish book five. Okay. That will be your pick. Have you heard the title for book five? No. Has it come out? Well, I mean, that's a stupid question. The book hasn't if come you... out. The title's been announced. It's it's not the final title, mm-hmm. but pretty sure yeah. it'll be called Knights of Wind and Truth. <gasps> I love that. Yeah. Oh, because it has, I'm assuming it's Kaladin and Shallan. It has to the first letter of every word in the titles of the first five books mm-hmm. is a palindrome. So the way of kings and and it. It is following the same palindrome rules as the Alethi language, so there mm-hmm. are like a couple smaller letters that. Mm-hmm. So, the way of kings, knights of wind and truth. Oh. Uh, words of radiance, rhythm of war. Oh. I love this. This is so cool. Right. Right. Because Brandon went to English school. I've got. Food on my Ren Fair dress. It's all right. It'll be covered up with a corset when I actually wear it to the fair. Uh, and so, I'm not allowed to come visit her the whole time the Ren Fair is coming in town. I have begged her to come. <laughs> I, listeners, I even was like, great, if you come that weekend, it's opening weekend of the Ren Fair. And Emily goes, ew, I'm coming another weekend. <laughs> Just saying. Why do you just lie on our podcast? You think people can do that? Go on a podcast and tell and lies? lie about stuff. Emily. Oh, Megan didn't want to go to Disneyland. Megan thinks I shouldn't visit the Renaissance Fair. It's funny. <laughs> it would be real funny. <laughs> well, as Lopin and Kaladin are headed out, Kaladin steps out of the barracks and he sees thousands of soldiers in uniform, weapons shining, I mean, officers on horseback, and Kaladin gasps. Mm-hmm. Because, Emily, what is he seeing? This is kind of what he'd always pictured what going to war would be like. This grand, amazing view before him of, you know, triumph and and things like that and he's like but i i know what real war is like i've been in it and how awful and terrible it is and then he says um hold on yet in this moment kaladin let himself dream again he gave his youthful self still there deep inside him the spectacle he'd always imagined he pretended that these soldiers were about something wonderful instead of just another pointless slaughter and i just like that he kind of finds like just like this moment of Okay, little Kaladin, here's here's where we are. We made it. Your dream came true, you know. Uh, I do this sometimes. Mm-hmm. Not with battle, <laughs> but with animation. Because okay. there are days where I'm like, ugh, 
corporations get to decide what we make and animation is a product and not an art form anymore and it's about timelines and schedules and numbers on streaming services but every once in a while I'll like go visit a friend at a studio or I'll go see something really incredible like Puss in Boots The Last Wish (laughs) with my friends in the movie theaters and I'll be like this is why I love it (laughs) I love animation it loves you the Way of Kings should be animated. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, even if they make a live-action Way of Kings in the next 10 years, I will wait for another 30 years, and then I'll make the animated reboot nice. when I'm in my <laughs> 70s. You'll be old and wise. Yeah. <laughs> so as Kaladin and Velopin are looking out over the field, uh, another set of banners comes to join Roion and Dalinar. Mm-hmm. Now, Emily... Who is putting troops out on the field? It's Sabariel. What? What? We just got last reading that Sabariel, like, even when it's super close, he'll never come out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. And so this is, like, a pleasant surprise. It's definitely, like, uh, oh, oh okay, you know? Um, and so they're kind of like, what? Why? 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 And, and Amaram just goes, you should send him away. He's untrustworthy. Don't trust him. Oh. Not Sabariel. Oh. <laughs> Spiral just doesn't want anyone who'll make fun of him coming on the trip. <laughs> I meant Amram just doesn't want anyone who'll make fun of him coming on the trip. Mm-hmm. But uh, there is a cameo by the yes. royal map maker, Isaiasik Shulin, who, as we know, is the in-universe kind of avatar of Isaac Stewart. Mm-hmm. So, hi, Isaac. Hi. Who listens to our podcast. <laughs> One day we're going to say a name of someone who actually does listen. Do you know what? Priscilla listens to our... Okay, listen. Let's say hello to some friends of the pod. Priscilla, Ted, Jenny. Does she listen to us? I'm sure she does. Jenny, do you listen? (laughs) Write in. Tell us. And Priscilla, thank you for letting me reschedule dinner. So she could come visit me and podcast instead. I thought I could get everything done between the time work ended and my flight took off and I miscalculated Mm -hmm. wildly. And shout out to our Discord listeners. Yes, hello. We're so happy you're here. We love you so much. Yeah. So anyway, write in. Tell us us how much you love us and how awesome we are. (laughs) Tell Emily why she should come to the Ren Fair with me. No, I'm not doing that. I'm going to go to Disneyland At this point, it's unreasonable. Well, I invited you to Disneyland, too, and you said no! We're doing a podcast about words of radiance. Okay, that's We could fair. not have done that at Disneyland. Coward. <laughs> <laughs> we just sit in Adventureland somewhere with our stuff. I love it. All right. Um. So not only is Sabariel coming, but Polona is there, too. Yeah. I love it. And not only that. Another set of banners oh, is coming. Oh, this one was great. So this is Aladar, mm-hmm. who his colors are green and white, dark green and white. And isn't green one of Sadius's colors? It's it's one of them, but okay. Aladar is one of Sadius's cronies. Yes. Not cronies, but like he's never taken Dalinar's side in any of this. And... Can I have it? Sorry, I didn't know what you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to put it down gently so no, it didn't mess I'm up. I'm going to drink it. And Royon and Sabariel, 
The two biggest cowards in our midst are marching to war, Aladar says. Am I to stay behind and let them seek fulfillment of the vengeance pact mm-hmm. without me? Ooh, I love that. So, yeah, Aladar shows up, and it is a huge surprise. I mean, Sabariel is a surprise, but no one would be, like, super upset by that because mm-hmm. he doesn't side with anyone. He just does stuff that makes him rich. Yeah. But um, someone is super mad about it. <laughs> so uh, we've got Sadius, who is out on a quote-unquote nice ride with his wife, just so they could go and, like, basically spy on Sabariel's, you know, uh, farming, you know, attempts or whatever. And here's the thing. So he's out there with his wife. Uh-huh. I, Yali. How do we say it? E-L-I. E-L-I. I was shocked at this. Like, listen... I really like her because you don't get characters. You don't get female characters like this. Yeah. They're usually like a like a joke or just they do it to be funny, but she is like 100% serious. We could try a we could try a coup. Um and then she goes she keeps going. Dalinar will be gone from the camp and with him Royan, his only supporter. We could seize the pinnacle, execute the king and take the throne. Like she is talking full on not just like, "Hey, get in buddy buddy with, you know, Elokar and and yeah. be the puppet master." It's like, "No, kill the king and become king yourself." And like her delivery, I can imagine her just calmly being like, "Okay, well, we could go to this restaurant for dinner or we could kill the king and you could be ruler of all of Elokar." Mm-hmm. And she would be completely fine with either of those choices. It is the Alethi way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've got Aladar talking with Dalinar about this. Mm -hmm. And Aladar goes up to Dalinar and they're they're talking about it. And and Aladar says, you really do believe in all of this, don't you? And Aladar extends his hand but hesitated. You realize that I'm stained through and through. I've got blood on these hands, Dalinar. I'm not some perfect honorable knight as you seem to want to pretend i know you're not dalinar said taking the hand i'm not either we will have to do and now amaram (laughs) comes up and says first sabario then aladar your trust (laughs) sorry i'm sitting right next to you you no. chose to be here. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm gonna re I'm gonna re-give that first Sabario, then Aladar. Your trust seems to come cheaply today, Dalinar. Would you have me turn them away? Think of how spectacular that victory would be if we did it on our own. Mm. And now, listen. This whole time, Amram has been trying to get Dalinar and Sadius to be friends. Yes. And apparently, Amram doesn't think two cents about the rest of. Anybody. Anybody else. It's kind of like Yasna in that sense, where, mm-hmm. like, her, her notes weren't super, like, they were very biased yeah. about who was important and who was mm-hmm. not. And it feels like Amaram, it feels like Amaram has a very specific plan. And now that people have come and thrown it off, he's, he's on his back foot trying to figure out how to make it work again and, like, you know. So... Here we've got like a double a double fake out because Kaladin uh, sorry Dalinar sees Kaladin and thinks speaking of fools <laughs> and so this whole thing is set up oh Emily yes you just felt it but the feeling 
of this Dalinar Amram Kaladin scene. Yeah. Oh, it's such a good... If I could bottle that up mm-hmm. and sell it... We'd be millionaires. Right? <laughs> Just the pure, like... Oh! <laughs> well, so Kaladin's hanging out with his bridgeman. Uh, he's seeing Adolin and Shallan ride horses past. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Here's what he thinks about Shallan. She looked gorgeous. Kaladin was willing to admit it, if only to himself. Brilliant red hair, ready smile. She said something clever. Kaladin could almost hear the words. He waited, hoping that she'd look towards him, meet his eyes across the short distance. She didn't. She rode on, and Kaladin felt like an utter fool. A part of him wanted to hate Adolin for holding her attention, but he found that he couldn't. The truth was, he liked Adolin, and those two were good for one another. They fit. Perhaps Kaladin could hate that. Yeah. So I keep thinking, no, this can't possibly be a love triangle, because mm-hmm. like we've all talked about how just like, I personally don't like them. I, Kaladin I would, and Shalon as a ship, right? Yes. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, sorry. I personally don't like love triangles. Oh, yeah. Um, I was burned extremely hard in Lost. Yeah. Because you have Kate, Jack, and Sawyer. Mm-hmm. And, like, by, by, like, the end of season three or four, I'm like, I don't care who you're with. Just pick one. Because she would go with one. It would be this huge emotional thing she would be with them and then something would happen and then there would be this huge emotional thing and she'd go to the other one and she just was bounced back and forth between these two men and it just got to the point where I'm just like I can't trust you as a character because you don't know yourself Mm -hmm. and it was so annoying I just it's a personal it's personal thing people who can't make up their minds I don't just mean like oh I have a decision to make I mean take flip-flop on the on the sides back and forth back and forth back and forth it gives me so much anxiety I'm just like pick something and stick with it and if you know you need to think about it long enough so you're absolutely sure of what you pick I also don't like love triangles I also haven't read a good thruple story yet Mm -hmm. because I know some people who are like well it's just obvious everyone in the love triangle should date each other Mm -hmm. and I'm like ugh. Not all, oh yeah. I just read a fic today where it was, and I'm not going to name like what fandom it was, but in canon, one of the guys married a girl, and this whole fic was set up as an alternate story of what if he married one of the guys in the group instead. Mm -hmm. And it was really lovely, and I was really enjoying it. And then it got to the point of the story where they're like, oh, original character A is still in love with that girl. Mm. And so he marries the girl as well. And it is very much like Parks and Rec. This is my boyfriend, David, and this is David's boyfriend, Charles. Mm -hmm. And I don't like that either. Yeah. So if you guys have any good polyamory fix to send me, I'd like to read them. But I don't... But not a... Kaladalon. That's not a thruple you like. That's not a thruple I like. Okay, cool. I... Oh, with love triangles. Also, one of the reasons I don't like them is every so often I will read one and be rooting for one specific pairing to be together and the author doesn't put them together by the end. Yeah. And to me, that just ruins it because 
I want to read what I want to read and what I want to read are these two characters together. And by the end of it, yeah, it's a different character. Uh, Fruits Basket burned me. Oh, no. I was cheering for the leg of the love triangle that did not come to pass. Mm. And that's hard. Mm-hmm. Oh, and let's talk about Bleach, which <laughs> I don't consider a love triangle. I consider the deepest betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes you are vindicated, though, because like me personally... I'm going to pull, throw out The Hunger Games, one of the more famous yeah. love triangles. I loved who she ended up with at the end. And I know that the person that she didn't end up with, the people who were rooting for them, were really upset because you could totally see how she could have ended up with either mm-hmm. one. And I just want people to have a good time when they experience entertainment. I never understood people who were Team Jacob. Mm-hmm. Because while Jacob Black is an absolutely wonderful character, Mm -hmm. the way that Bella felt about Edward in the first book, Mm -hmm. if Edward had ever come back, she would have left Jacob for him. Now, I would love to... (laughs) Listeners, write in, tell us, if you have a Twilight fanfic where Edward successfully offs himself in Italy, (laughs) or joins the Volturi and goes dark side, and Bella stays with Jacob, I would like to read that. Nice. So, yeah. (gasps) What did they put in this? Cocaine. (laughs) Well, that's what that feeling is. It's a Coca-Cola. So he's, he's, Kaladin has shown up not to sneak away. I thought at one point that he might have snuck away like in a, in a chull, in a chull drawn wagon or something. But no, he, Kaladin has just come to say goodbye to, you know, wish everyone well. And this is interesting. Okay, so... Renarin is there, you know, kind of hanging out with the Bridgman. Still a little awkward. I don't blame him. But Kaladin thinks I need to talk to him more about his condition. Something seemed off to him about that man and his explanation of the epilepsy. And my guess was... Uh My guess was Renarin knew enough about the old magic to know what it was and to know about the Night Watcher. I'm wondering if he... Well, did they say he had it since he was a little kid? Maybe. Okay, but my my guess at that point watching this was he went out to get something and the epilepsy is is the trade-off. It's his burden. Yeah, but anyways, I'm probably wrong about that, so. Well, Bridge 4 is berating Kaladin. Like, if one of us were wounded, you would make a stay in bed. Mm -hmm. And Dalinar even comes up and is like, you need to be resting, and is Dalinar... And Amaram comes up. Kaladin <laughs> pulls off a successful poker face yes. for the first time ever. ever. He is really trying to not rock the boat. Yeah. Um, I I don't think it has anything to do with him not having Stormlight anymore. I think like this is a personal victory for him. I don't think he's worried that Amaram will do anything to him. Yeah. You know, because like without Stormlight, how do I protect myself against this man? Am- Kaladin can. Kaladin has killed, you know, a shard bear with a spear yeah. and has defeated several others almost barehanded. And so, um, yeah, it's just it's just interesting that that this is a personal victory for Kaladin. Yeah. And that now that he doesn't... Because he was getting a little big for his britches with the magic yes, in this he book. Was. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like that now that he knows... I don't know. He's, he's looked at his life and he's looked at his choices. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to be a better man. I think that had something to do with Shalon's story about her life. Again, yeah. because he's just like, how would I have reacted to that? Had that. my had my parents 
beaten me and berated me? How would I have lived if I had to like carry Tien and, you know, I didn't have Tien to lean on and, and yeah, I think exactly what you said. He's had some time to reflect. Well, good thing Kaladin has mastered his poker face <laughs> because uh, Kaladin's counting all the Bridgman here. He's like, Scar is here. Tempt is here. Who's watching the king? <laughs> Who's in charge? Wow. Why? <laughs> He's their best man. He is. And it makes perfect sense why they would leave him behind because he has plate. He is, you know, cool and amazing. And he has Kaladin. plate and blade and the trust of Captain Kaladin. And the trust of Captain Kaladin. Like, Moash is about to make Kaladin's life very difficult. Not that he hasn't before. Okay, so what would you think of this story if Moash kills Elokar? Oh, that would be interesting because I can't imagine that they would let Moash get away with that. Okay, who would stop Moash from killing Elokar? Well, I think Kaladin would. If if it progresses to that, I would think Kaladin would show up to be like, this is not the honorable thing to do. I can't let you do this. Even if, like, morally it is right, mm-hmm. I, I just, I so, can't. And it would be a, it would be a betrayal of whatever thing of friendship they have, which is stupid. Okay. So, do you think, because Kaladin can't fight in his No, state. he can't. But I think he would try anyway. <laughs> I think he would try anyway. Okay, so you think Kaladin would try anyway? And do you think he would try an appeal, like you were saying, an appeal to Moash's logic? I don't think he can appeal to Moash's logic. Okay. I think Moash is too entrenched and ingrained in revenge. I don't know what argument you could give Moash to make him change his mind. Uh, you don't have all the information, which is, I love him. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I don't know how that's going to finish out. Got it. But all right. yeah, I'm, in, I'm interested. I'm very interested in how that's going to work. Stay tuned, everyone. All right. Well, anyway, here's Amaranth. Yes. <laughs> Amaranth, Taladar said, you told me you've never seen this man before arriving on the Shattered Plains. Is that true? Kaladin met the eyes of a murderer. Like, that's such a good line. <laughs> so Dalinar goes through kind of all the charges laid against Amaranth. Mm-hmm. And Amaranth's like, listen, I don't know if he's touched in the head Starved for attention. I mean, obviously his brands say that he was enslaved while in my army. Mm-hmm. So that, like, lends credence. Mm-hmm. And then Dalinar nods and then says, I believe an apology is due. Mm-hmm. And here we see Kaladin's growth over the book because he's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to apologize to Amaram in public, humiliate myself. Like, I think at this point, this is worse than him being left out in a high storm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he survived that twice and yes, it's fine. It's fine. So then Kaladin opens his mouth to start talking. And what does Dalinar say? Not you, son. <gasps> <laughs> when that what? happened, I couldn't believe it. What? <laughs> <laughs> Amaram turned, posture suddenly more alert, like that of a man preparing for a fight. And yeah, Amaram, you need to be worried. It's time, son. It's time for a beatdown. So, Emily. Yes, Megan. This book has great reread value. Yes, it does. Because we find out Dalinar's plan. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take us back to the interlude where Dalinar 
and Elokar are speaking with Talm. It's way far back. It's a warm summer evening in ancient Greece. What am I doing? Go to the table of contents, you <laughs> moron. In my signed book. <laughs> I think you're so much better than us. Just because you're so much better than us. 93. Okay, so in the interlude with Talm. Town is not really registering what's happening with these, what's happening with this conversation. Mm-hmm. And the soldier that's there with them, his name is Borden. Mm-hmm. Borden is who we see with Amaram going back to talk to Tom later. Yeah. So Borden is a part of this scheme. Mm-hmm. So there's a bit where Elokar asks, what will you do with the shard blade? And Dalinar says, I'm certain we can find a good use for it. Wait, Elokar? Yeah. Okay. And then Dalinar says, I'm certain we'll find a good use. In fact, something occurs to me right now. I might have need of you, Borden. So when Shalon goes to visit Tom, mm-hmm. Borden is the one who brings Amaram. Yes. And Borden lies to Amaram about saying there's a huge cache of shard blades somewhere. Oh, yeah. Tom never said that. Mm-hmm. Dalinar tells Borden, like, oh, Amaram will definitely go for this. Yeah. When, in reality, Dalinar, they took this shard blade from Talm before. Mm-hmm. Dalinar bonded it. Which is stealing. Yes. <laughs> and Dalinar bonded it. And then they put that already bonded sword in the cave, mm. waiting for Amaram to go and take it. Okay, so... Maybe this has been mentioned before. Can you be bonded to more than one sword? I want to say yes. Okay. But I don't think we've seen explicit proof of that. Okay. My question is, how did... Because Dalinar's bonded to it. How did they know Amaram wouldn't try and also bond to it? Um, I think he didn't have it long enough to bond okay. it. Okay. Like I said, not trying to poke holes in anything. Just trying to make mm-hmm. sure I have everything straight. Yep. So, it's even mentioned... In an earlier part, because you're like, why haven't we seen Dalinar? And somebody mentions that he's been sick and in his room, and mm-hmm. he was secretly bonding the shard blade at the nice. time. Nice. Oh, Dalinar had a shard blade. Okay. Uh, sorry, we're going to pause this. He received two special visitors in camp. One was a trusted servant that came from Colinar in secret, bringing a precious cargo. Do we know what that is? Is that just for later? It's a surprise mm-hmm. tool that will help us later. No, the other was the cargo, a madman who'd arrived at the gates of Colinar. Got it, got it. Okay. So it was Borden. Borden is the trusted servant, and he brought Tom. Perfect. I did it, Amaram said, and I do it again. Oh. And I would have got away from it with it <laughs> if it weren't for you meddling <laughs> Bridgman. But uh, this, okay, so I read for the emotion. I don't like really visualize like who's where or who's doing what. But this scene when like Kaladin realizes Amaram is going to like summon his own shard blade, but uh Dalinar does it first and like uh white mist coalesced white mist coalesced in Dalinar's fingers and a shard blade appeared tipped to Amaram's throat and then like a blade goes to Amaram's hand just like seconds too late. Just like oh like ooh they they've got him. They've got they've him. Got him yeah. dead to rights. And Amram gives his same spiel that he did killing Kaladin's men. Mm-hmm. Is we need men who are already trained, who are good with the blade. And Kaladin's like, "You liar! You just wanted it for yourself." 
And then Amram looks him right in the face and says, I'm sorry for what I did to you and yours. Sometimes good men must die so that greater goals can be accomplished. Yeah. And Kaladin is like, oh my gosh, he honestly believes that. He really believes that. And so I find it interesting that this kind of mirrors what's going on with Moash Uh and everybody of just, they're just like, this is for the greater good to kill this man. And again, we've talked about this before, but I just find it fascinating how Brandon continues to put people in the same situations, but we react so differently to them because we react with horror and disgust Mm -hmm. at what Amaram did. I mean, it was straight up cold-blooded murder for the greater good cold-blooded bloody murder (laughs) and then we have you know moash and everyone who wants to kill elokar for quote-unquote the greater good the thing is the greater good is just whatever happens to serve the more powerful so what's the greater good i don't know i don't know either i love it i love this all right so and the thing is, is that Amaram brings up, because Dalinar's like, you're guilty of murder for personal gain. Mm-hmm. And Amaram says, you send thousands of men to die for gem hearts. How is it different? Yeah. And this is that sense of scale again, where like, if you kill one or two people that someone really loves, Kaladin really loves, mm-hmm. it's different than, you know, Zeth killed hundreds of people. It's now at a scale that's like greater than we can emotionally comprehend. Yeah. Uh, not me. I can emotionally comprehend <laughs> the horrors that Seth is right. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but that Amram has killed, you know, this handful of people to get the shard blade. And Dalinar has killed thousands of people on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. But it's Alethi. A, a it's Aleth Carly socially acceptable. Nice. So they can't really throw Amram in prison. Because he's got a shard blade and he will just cut his way back out. Yeah, yeah. They say you either you execute a shard bearer or you leave him free. I personally think they should have executed him. <laughs> yeah. The way you felt about Sadius at the end of book one, mm-hmm. I feel about this scene here. They should have chopped his head off. There you go. Just go. Just stabbed him in the face. But they didn't. They didn't. And they didn't do that to Sadius either. And it's a mistake. Yep. Mistake! Maybe someone will rectify it someday, but it's not this day. <laughs> so anyway, Sadius is like, do you know what? This is fine, actually. Sadius is like, they will all die out there on the plains. Mm-hmm. I won't have to lift a finger. Basically, they will do my work for me. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, okay. I love that he doesn't even entertain the idea that they could succeed. Yeah. I love that. Because, I mean, I hope they do succeed. I mean, we're rooting for our favorite people. You know, everyone, again, like the end of book one, everyone's going out to the Shattered Plains. I know, we're two for two now. (laughs) And he's so smart. Sadius is so smart and so clever. But his, his weakness is that he thinks he's always right. And he doesn't feel he needs to entertain the what ifs. Entertain! Entertain! All right. Chapter 77. Oh, sorry. One more thing before we go. Chapter 76. <laughs> Again, like I said, that the um, the worst thing that could have happened to Amaram is that people found out that he's a liar. Yeah. And you have a whole audience of the high princes there with, again, Dalinar defending the honor of a lowly dark eyes. Yeah. I love 
what? It, it really feels like this whole book, Dalinar has been trying to do the right thing and it feels like no one has respected or listened to him for mm-hmm. it. And there's like a culmination at this part of the book where these two high princes he didn't expect mm-hmm. joined him. Mm-hmm. That like his effort was not wasted. Yeah. And his faith in Kaladin was not wasted. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's chapter 77, Trust. <laughs> Read me the epigraph. This Give me one, a piece okay. of the diagram. All right. One danger in deploying such a potent weapon will be the potential encouragement of those exploring the nail bond. Care must be taken to avoid placing these subjects in situations of powerful stress unless you accept the consequence of their potential investiture. What kind of bond? Nail bond! Which, I still think that was an unfair assumption that I should have got. I wasn't... Listen... I was trying to tell you something. I was not picking out what you were putting down. I was trying to like obliquely tell you something. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry that I was not bright enough. Uh, But we've also got an illustration here. Yeah, of the actual white spines. Yeah. It looks super menacing. It... It's like raptor-like. Like, it's about the size mm-hmm. of a raptor, but a much meatier. And, like, obviously the huge spines on its back. It has multiple legs. Like, claws that are, like, a foot long. And then its tusks can retract. Like a like a snake, almost. It's It looks dangerous. Mm-hmm. So this is from the diagram, Floorboard 27, paragraph 6. I just, again, love, love this. Yeah. Do you know what a nail bond is? I want to say it's the bond between a radiant and a spren. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Because honor spren are more discerning in their nail bonds than everyone else. Got it. Got it. <laughs> Listen. I get I'm sorry. some things. I get some things. Oh, uh, so Shalon's horse is not listening to her. Mm-hmm. She's mad that and Adolin's up here on his on sure blood, blood who we haven't seen a lot of this no. book and it's mentioned again that it is pure white not a dusky white not mm-hmm. a milky white it's a pure white horse and again i like that the dudes get the horse thing because there's always the girl books about like uh-huh. i mean there's black beauty who has a you know a, a boy you know but but you don't get like a grown man Yep. With a cool horse. <laughs> Adolin should have the larger horse was patently unfair. <laughs> she was shorter than he was. She should be on the taller horse. <laughs> I love that. And so he picked a slow horse for her on purpose. And Rude. he says, trust me, you'll be thankful. And she's like, I want to ride in a majestic charge as we begin our expedition. He's like, technically, slow speeds can be very majestic. And I wonder if that's an oblique uh, futuristic reference to slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, you know how Kaladin was having some thoughts about how beautiful Shallan is? Mm -hmm. Shallan's having some thoughts about Kaladin. Yeah. Passionate with an intense, smoldering resolve, a leashed anger that he used because he had dominated it, and a certain tempting arrogance, not the haughty pride of a high lord, instead the secure, stable sense of determination that whispered that no matter who you were or what you did, you could not hurt him, could not change him. I'm so worried. I'm so worried for Shalon and Adolin. I'm very worried. Well, 
Rafo? Uh. Shalon completely missed what Adolin said next. <laughs> and Adolin was saying, you might want to be in a carriage. Because I'm too delicate for riding. Did you miss that I walked back through the chasms in the middle of a high storm? No, but walking and riding are different. I mean, the soreness. I see. I like this because he's not being overbearing of like, you're a delicate petal on a delicate flower and you will, you know. It's like, no, I'm being realistic. Like, you're going to hurt, honey. Like, it's going to be bad. Why would I be sore? Doesn't the horse do all the work? (laughs) Oh. But here's what's great, though, is she's like, as annoyed as she was, she couldn't deny his expertise, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I like that. So she she rides for about an hour, um, and then somebody comes up to her with a present. It's Gaz. What has Gaz got? He has brought something that she has sent away for or ordered, but it's very expensive. It's two sapphire bromes, which, how much was the entrance to the Palinaeum? Like 700 sapphire bromes. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was that much. It was a lot. It was a lot. Okay. Okay. Forget what I was, the point I was trying to make. <laughs> Still, it's very expensive. But it's words of radiance. Yeah. Not the, just words of radiance. Technically, this book is also called words of radiance. That's and true. not the. <laughs> uh, so they uh, are out for days. They spend mm-hmm. days on this slow expedition to the center of the Shattered Plains. And the weeping is going on. And it's just raining. And it gets to the point, though, where... It's this nice background that kind of muffles everything. Because she's riding in the carriage eventually. Uh-huh. Um, and she really likes it. It's like, you know, us putting on, like, white noise and just chilling. <laughs> That's what our podcast is. White noise. She's reading Words of Radiance. What are some of the things that she discovers? Um, it's an old dialect of Alethi using the, it's called Protoscript, a precursor to the true women's script of modern day. Oh, also, I want to throw out Teravangian knows how to read women's script. Yeah. Which was interesting. But I guess... So did Pi. R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> but is it is it just the Alethi that, where the men tend to not read? Or Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the fact that other people know it isn't weird. Remember, okay. um, the people in a- Azerona write essays. Oh, that's right. Because they have a, a different language. Okay. So... They've uh, been written... Sorry. Uh, the author admitted a lot of it was hearsay. Uh, it talks about it has a chapter for each order of the Radiant Knights. We talk of their traditions, their abilities, their attitudes. The book had been written 200 years after the Recreants. And so, like, facts, lore, and superstition had mixed freely. Yeah. So, so it's it's a source of knowledge she didn't have before, but also take it with a grain of salt. And thankfully, she has a grain of pattern. Mm-hmm. And he can point out... So, she even mentions that as she reads, pattern remembers more. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he, he'll often be able to at least distinguish between what was hearsay and what really happened. Yeah. Um, we don't get a lot of specifics, but we do mention that certain certain orders of radiance, including the wind runners, function in teams with a specific hierarchy. Oh, yeah. So... Some radiants have teams and levels and corporate <laughs> advancement, whatever. <laughs> um, and then some are just like, oh, yeah, no, everybody just do your own thing. Mm-hmm. And some of the spren are really particular in the words. And some of the spren are like, whatever. <laughs> but it's just like, whatever. Well, then. Uh, and then the last thing that we really want to figure out is Shalon is pretty sure that the old 
city of Stormseat mm-hmm. is where the Shattered Plains were. Mm-hmm. And if she can identify two places on the Shattered Plains that match her map of Stormseat, mm-hmm. she will be able to figure out where the Oathgate might be. So on the map of Stormseat, Yasna thought it was represented by a round disc like a dais. And so is there a doorway somewhere? Mm-hmm. A magical portal? How did one of the knights operate it? We yeah. don't know. She doesn't know. Yeah, so I think she might be a little worried in the back of her head of just like she's meant to find this thing and then know how it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, she gets a visitor in her carriage. Who is it? It's Navani. And I love this conversation between Navani and Shalon as Navani is, you know, she's very in command and people do as she tells them. Mm-hmm. But her and Shalon like really connect here both in their discussions of Yasna, and then Navani wants to know about Shalon's project and what she's working on. Mm-hmm. And we have seen Shalon. Shalon is very much about like hiding so much stuff, yeah, and concealing so much stuff. Mm-hmm. And she starts to open up to a couple different people in this chapter. And there's a bit where she finally admits to Navani that Yasna was a radiant, yeah, but she doesn't admit that. She is a radiant, and you pointed that out. Mm-hmm. And quietly, I'm like, <laughs> because she's going to tell Dala. Yeah. <laughs> because Navani, Navani is kind of offering an olive branch, just of like, listen, it was really, it's, what I went through is very difficult. Kind of, not like, she doesn't outright say, I'm sorry I took it out on you, but she's like, basically, how can I make up for my behavior, sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. And Navani is like, okay, well, if, I'm not taking this project from you. Yeah. Like, like Shalon is literally afraid that's exactly what she's going to do. But Navani's like, I want you, I want to be involved. I want to continue the work my daughter was doing. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take it from you. Um, but think of me as an extra resource. Whatever you need, I can help with. I can get you extra scribes. I can do all this stuff. And then Shalon says, okay. And she lists like... Ten things she needs and all the people she needs to help her. And this is my immediate goal. And this is my long-term goals. And Navani's like, so you've thought this through. Okay, now we're cooking with gas. But in the meantime, back, meanwhile, back at the ranch. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Kaladin is sitting in his room listening to the rain. Weak, miserable rain without the fury and passion of a true high storm. He's got extra blankets he slept most of the day yesterday, but now he's like all wide awake. He hates being wounded. Yeah. And he's like, the weeping is always a bad time for Kaladin. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know he does badly in captivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's sad about Syl. Yeah. If only he had a friend to talk to. And the good who told him. Who is it? Stupid Moash. Stupid Moash. <laughs> Who's waltzing around in no. his shard plate. No, we'll admit. It's at this point of the story that my needle starts to move to where, like earlier, I'm like, Moash hasn't done anything wrong yet. And now the needle's going, ah! <laughs> 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 When we get to, you know, we'll probably talk about it at some point before I wrap up, but... Everybody's like, why do you like Moash? Why do you like Moash? Why do you like Moash? There is a specific other fictional character that I've connected him to. Mm-hmm. That outside of outside Brandon of Brandon Sanderson, Sanderson okay. stuff. 
And when we get to it, I can't wait to talk with you about it. Alrighty. Because, yeah, yeah, listeners, even in book four, I like Moash as a character. I find him... He lives through book four. (laughs) (laughs) No! Can you forget? Sure, I will forget. (laughs) My disappointment. Sorry, plug your ears. This is for the listeners. I know you edit this, but... Do you really want no. <laughs> I find him a compelling read, and I'm interested when he shows up in the stories. Okay. Listen. I think it's a miracle that we've gotten two books in before me doing a big spoiler <laughs> on accident like that. There have been several times in several episodes where you're just talking, and then you'll just stop, and you're like, oh, I almost spoiled something. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Apparently, my limit is four podcasts a day and then after that <laughs> who knows who knows so moash shows up and moash is like this is great because before kaladin went out onto the plains kaladin told moash i'm gonna help you out with this i'm in mm-hmm. so moash thinks this is so great kaladin and i are on the We're same just page just gonna pal around and there's no one here to stop us yeah so Moash is not here lording it over Kaladin or like laughing that I've succeeded no. and you he thinks Kaladin and him are singing the same song. Yeah. It's sad. It is sad. But here's the thing, here's the thing. They quartered the five of us guards up by his rooms. In the palace itself, Kaladin, it's perfect. And Moash just keep you know, because Kaladin's just like, okay, when is this going to happen? Like he's kind of resigned to like this is in motion and I have helped. To set this in motion, which I think is one of the reasons which makes him losing Syl so much more tragic because, yeah. you know, they were already, like, separated. They were already, you know, kind of drifting apart. But they said, we don't want to ruin Dalinar's ex- expedition. So we're going to wait until he's out there some distance. Maybe until he's engaged the enemy. That way he'll be committed and won't turn back when he gets the news. Better for Alethkar if he succeeds at defeating the Parshendi, he will return a hero and a king. Now that to me parallels Esh and I telling Venli we have to wait till they're far enough on the plains before Ooh, we move. Ooh, yeah. That's really good. Thank you. Here's the other thing though. Okay, there is a different, there's another heir to the throne already. Yes. But I understand it's a young kid. There's no way he can take the throne. And from what I understand from what you've told me, the women can't take the throne. So it's not like Elokar's wife can, you know, jump in and be Mm -hmm. like, well, I'll rule until my son is old enough. It is just automatically assumed that Dalinar will rule. But what knock on all the wood... I mean, like, let's say the worst happens and Dalinar falls in battle. Over the side of a chasm, he just trips. It's very (laughs) inglorious. And Sadius' plan succeeds and Sadius ends up on the throne. How much better is that going to be than Elokar? Like, you can't, like, as much as you plan, just the idea that Moash is like, oh, it's perfect. Oh, we're going to do this great. I'm like, buddy, you don't know the can of worms you're opening up. Oh, he makes me so mad. Megan. It makes me very mad. And apparently he's going to make you mad forever. So. <laughs> At least till book four. Anyway, uh, the reason why Moash is actually here is he's delivering a message for... Oh, wait. I'm so sorry. Rewind. Rewind and freeze. Where 
Moash is like, oh yeah, they told me you don't have. Wait, wait, wait. Can we talk about who they're going to. So, you know, Moash has this all planned. They say they're going to start a rumor that the assassin in white is back, which will then send everyone to their rooms, which will then leave the path clear for them to kill the king. And then they aren't going to be blamed. It's like, how could we possibly have bested the assassin in white? And like, they have just thought of everything. It's Everything. Bad. It's bad. But yes, what were you going to say? And Moash says, I wanted to check on you. Is it true what Lopin has said? So Lopin has been telling people Cal doesn't have his powers anymore. Because they still think Moash is bridge four and is trustworthy. Because Kaladin hasn't told anyone. Because Kaladin hasn't told anyone yet. Listen, Kaladin should have told Dalinar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Kaladin stayed quiet when he knew that Moash was going to be the one guarding the king. Hey, hey Cal. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Not a good choice. And he's he tells Moash, um, I think I've offended Syl. I can't draw on Stormlight. And I think she left because of the plot to kill the king. I don't think a Radiant could be involved in something like this. I love that he is honest with his friend. Yeah. And Moash is like, shouldn't a Radiant care about doing what's right, even if it means a difficult decision? And Kaladin says, sometimes lives must be spent for the greater good. And Moash is like, oh, you get it. And Kaladin reveals... That's what Amaram says. Yeah. When he, um, I don't know if you know this, but when he murdered my friends. And Moash is like, well, that doesn't count. He's a light eyes. And then. Kaladin says. You're a light eyes. (gasps) (laughs) Moash's eyes have turned a light tan the same color as Amaram's. So in the animated Beauty and the Beast. Mm -hmm. Belle wears this bright blue dress. Yes. And the color um, scheme for her home village is very warm autumnal colors. It's orange and browns and reds and kind of olivey greens. Mm -hmm. And she is the only person in town who wears blue. It makes her stand out during the opening sequences. Yeah. Gaston wears the town's colors. He wears red and yellow, but at a much more vivid, much more brighter intensity than anyone else. Mm -hmm. All right. And so Belle and Gaston's color palettes do not go together at all. No. Now, the stay with me, guys. This is a bit of a tangent. (laughs) When we go to the Beast's Palace, it is in all uh, muted blues and purples and reds. Mm -hmm. Not the same, like, not the exact same color as Belle's dress, but Belle fits with the color palette of the castle more than she does with the town. I love that. Thank you. And gold is also a color. Uh, Gold is also a color. So, like, when she wears her golden dress, Mm -hmm. she fully fits in with the color palette of of the palace. Now, here's where I go, hang on. So this bright blue, this very specific blue is Belle's color. Mm-hmm. And the Beast and Gaston both have blue eyes that match Belle's color. Oh. And I'm going to do a little positron here because both of them, their only like object of their desire eventually is Belle. <gasps> that she's oh. literally like in their eyes. Yeah. And so when the beast turns into the human, he has those same blue eyes. And so there's a moment where it's like, Belle has seen these eyes in multiple faces at this point, but she can still tell that it's the beast. I love that. Anyway, I love the idea of people being thematically linked by eye color. 
Thank you for listening to my tangent. You're welcome. Well, Moash says, Cal, you're worrying me. Mm-hmm. Don't say things like that. And then Moash is, is here because the king asked him to deliver a message. What is it? Uh, he doesn't know. He's been dipping into the wine now that Delinar is gone, not the orange stuff either. I'll tell him you're too wounded to come. And Kaladin says, sorry, it's because Moash keeps saying Kaladin. Moash says, Cal, we can trust you, right? You haven't changed, like, you're, you haven't changed your mind. And Kaladin says, I don't have to do anything. I just have to stay away. Because, like, there's, it's too far along for him to stop. And Moash is like, great. Again, Moash is like, so we're on the same page. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Moash is like, just another day being best bridge for friends. <laughs> this is awesome. I'm doing what Kaladin thinks is right. And Kaladin's the coolest person I know. If he wasn't cool with it, he would tell me, right? <laughs> Um, before we move on to the, the end of this, uh, I want to go back to what, what Moash says about, like, now that Dalinar is gone, because, like, it makes it seem like Dalinar has been babysitting the king and keeping him from doing stuff, and I'm interested to see what Elokar is like. Okay, I don't know what Elokar wants, because Elokar is the one who, first of all, went from telling his personal guards, why can't you be more like Kaladin, why can't you be more like these guys, to... I'm going to execute him because I'm the king to, hey, buddy, come talk to me. Like, this man is all over the place. Do you think Elokar wants to apologize? No. Okay. Absolutely not. I don't know why he's, like... We don't know. Uh, to not, I no Kaladin, idea. Kaladin's not well enough to go there anyway, so we'll probably never find ever, that. Ever, ever, ever. Elokar will probably be murdered. Murdered! Okay. For 78, you're going to have to be very patient as I try and read this paragraph. Okay. Because there are no spaces. Ah, but they were left behind. It is obvious from the nature of the bond. But where, 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 where? Set off. Obvious. Realization. Like a pricity? What word is that? A-P-R-I-C-I-T-Y. Like a pricity. When I was a kid, I took such great pleasure in knowing many words. I was very, I was a very, very gifted reader. And when I got old, as I got older and like read like more difficult books, it was very frustrating to me that there were words that I didn't know. And the idea of having to look stuff up felt like a failure to me. But now as an adult, I'm just like, oh, it's a word I don't know. This is great. What does apricity mean? What is the meaning of apricity? Definition of or relating to early spring. Apricity and other rare wintry words. To set up an obvious realization like apricity. They are with the shin. We must find one. Can we make to use a truthless? Can we craft a weapon? A weapon. He's a weapon. He's a person. <laughs> He's been a person who's been Emily? used as a weapon. No, the villain sees him as a weapon. The, I, I know. I'm saying. And he's a person. I, can I talk? Can no. I live? Can I be a part of No. <laughs> I've already spoiled the whole thing by letting you know. Listen, I'm not going to get into the Zeth thing, but just saying. Other people see him as a weapon. So this is like in The Little Mermaid. Uh-huh. When everyone's like, The Little Mermaid is such a not feminist story because Ariel just... Wants her legs to get a man and use her body language and she's giving up everything. And then they start 
quoting the villain's song as their proof. <laughs> Body language. And I'm like, you guys realize when a villain presents an idea in a story, we're supposed to disagree with it, right? Don't look at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just excited to keep talking about Seth. Anyway, um, Shalon actually enjoys the... Sorry, this is from the diagram, floorboard 17, paragraph 2, every second letter, starting with the first. I don't know what that means. I was going to ask you. My my guess is, is it's already translated. Mm. Every second letter starting with the first. B, T, E, W. Nah, it's not a real thing. Okay. They, they've already translated it for us. Got it. Um, and so this is an interesting chapter, I think, particularly for you because of the art shading the art colors the idea of you know shallan's only using one color and she's explaining to pattern that like people have done experiments on this and stuff like that i didn't even oh did i i didn't even register that's not what i find interesting about this chapter but uh that is a like mirror of of real life like our real world experiments of uh, seeing things completely under a color so our brains Mm -hmm. um experience a million horrifying things all the time yeah and if we don't have a good situation to operate in our brains will basically erase the things we don't need in order to stop us from being overwhelmed freaked out yeah so that means like you get used to smells you get used to sound it fades to the background uh technically you can see your own nose at all times i'm i want you to take your finger and I want you to touch the side of your nose close to your face. Now, don't look directly at it, but in your peripheral, can you see your finger? Yeah. How far down can you see your finger? Pretty far down. Way down there. Even, like, down on your cheek. Yeah. Now, just move your finger up and over. And it is tracing an invisible shape in your eye line. <gasps> because this is so freaky. <laughs> your brain is like, yeah, I know I have a nose. Big deal. And your brain literally deletes your nose out of your field of vision at all times crazy it's freaking me out I know. <laughs> so this is like shallan's memories mm-hmm. if she knew about all of her trauma all the time she could not operate yeah yeah so i want to talk about a real world experiment where people were given goggles that when they wear them they see the world upside down mm-hmm. um it literally like flips the flips their viewpoints over and it takes like two or three days but after that their brains would start interpreting this as being right side up oh and after a few days they would see the entire world the correct way even though light was being presented to them upside down now here's the great thing after the they'd worn the upside down goggles for a certain amount of time they take them off Mm mm-hmm and the world appears upside down, even with the goggles removed. Ooh. And it took another few days Forever. for their perception <gasps> to return to the way it was. That's nuts. So human perception can be tricked quite easily. Mm-hmm. And so the stuff that Shalon is talking about um, with the, the colored light is that you can get used to your situation mm-hmm. and not realize how hard you're fighting to compensate for it. Got it. And Shalon is really compensating for some emotional upside-down goggles. <laughs> anyway, she likes the rain. 
Kaladin's like, this is terrible. It's not <laughs> even decent. It's horrible. I hate the weeping. And we cut to Shalon in her carriage being like, this is lovely. Uh, Dalinar comes into the tent. Mm-hmm. And she mentions that she's never drawn Dalinar. Yeah. Which, I mean, I would guess that she has drawn, you know, Adolin, probably Renarin. Uh-huh. It wouldn't surprise me if she'd drawn Navani. I wonder why she never has. Yeah. So she takes a memory of him. She'll, she'll draw that later. Tink. Anyway, here you are, the one who's taking command of this expedition. <laughs> you have co-opted my scribes and cartographers. They hum of it like the rainfall. Your theory, storm seat. How did you do it? Because this is all stuff that he's probably wanted to investigate forever. And everyone's like, that's stupid. And now people are like, this is the coolest idea ever. The coolest idea ever. And where in the previous stuff with Amaram, we see that Kaladin, what Kaladin has been trying to become a better man this whole book is like finally paying off. Mm-hmm. Shalon's confidence and all she's been trying to be pay off in the scene with Dalinar. Dalinar's not a villain. No. He's not a bad guy. He has a lot of... He has a kingdom to run. Yeah. (laughs) And he is a force of nature, and he gets what he wants. So um, there's a bit where Shalon tells Dalinar what she told Navani about Yasna being a soul caster. She didn't use one. She was one. Yep. And Dalinar has some thoughts here that you especially liked as you were reading. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Remind me of what those thoughts were. <laughs> uh, the first, I'm supposed to refound the Knights Radiant. And the first man he thought he could trust, he was totally mistaken. Mm-hmm. Turns out Yasna was one of these Radiants and he'd missed it. In naming Amaram, Dalinar said, I did what I thought was my task. I wonder now if I was mistaken all along that refounding them was never my duty. They might be refounding themselves and I am an arrogant meddler. What if instead, well... I like that Shalon's able to see this in a different light. And I wonder if that has to do with her trauma Mm -hmm. of like being able to see situations differently or, you know, whatever. But she's like, well, what if your task wasn't to do all that, what you just said? What if you were supposed to just gather them instead? Like, that's just as important. And Dalinar's just like, okay, like... Okay, and Shalon knows immediately that she should tell Dalinar. And I was so surprised. She does. She tells him. She shows him her powers. Little light weaving of Little light weaving. And almighty above, Dalinar whispered, a single offspring, like a ring of blue smoke, burst out above him, spreading like the ripple from a stone dropped in a pond. Shalon had seen such a spread only a handful of times in her life. She has floored this man. And he's like, okay, amazing. So you're head of the Radiance now. You get the cape. You're going to be queen in charge of it all. And and it's like, he needed only the slightest confirmation. And he's, now he had this moment of thoughtfulness. Mm -hmm. And now he's instantly back to like, perfect. You get the cape. And Shalom's like, And Shalon, we were talking about, like, she wants to stay kind of hidden. And so this idea of being out in the front is not great. And she's yeah. trying to explain to him, not just not just refusing him, not just saying no, but she says, I can't, Bright Lord, you know, like, I can't. What I do is mostly useful if nobody knows it's possible. I mean, if everyone is looking for illusions, I'll never fool them. And I think this is a slip of the tongue because that's her whole life. Yeah. She has been fooling everyone her entire life. When it comes to her trauma, when it comes to Veil, when it comes to 
her pretending to be a, a bright lady with Tavlakov. Like, that is just her whole life. She's never truly been able to be Shalon. Except with Adolin. Except with Adolin. Now, now, somebody comes in for a second to be like, hey, we've seen some Parshendi. So, so Dalinar's on his way out. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he says to her, sorry, um, she says to him before he goes, like, hey, please don't, please don't tell anyone about this for now. Mm-hmm. And Dalinar's like, okay, um, I'll tell Navani about it, but nobody else, and I will swear her to secrecy. Yeah. And, uh, and he's like, we are going to send you back to the war camps with an escort. I, you know, you are too valuable to risk on this expedition. And then she, I love this part. Here she is. Do you want to read it? Yes. Uh, Bright Lord, Shalon said, splashing through a pool of water. Glad she... Well, okay, I'll skip all that. Bright Lord, you are not my king, nor are you my high prince. You have no authority over me. My duty is to find your Thiru, so you will not be sending me back. And by your honor, I will have your promise not to tell a soul what I can do unless I give leave. That includes Brightness Navani. And I'm just like... Someone's standing up to Dalinar, not just in a, all right, aren't I king? Can't I do what I want? It's, she's like, you, like, as a soldier, you obey the chain of command. I'm not, you're not my chain of command. But you're not king. <laughs> uh, so, he's quiet for a second and then <laughs> says, I see Yasna in you. Rarely had Shalon been given such a compliment. So there was a bit of a fight on the plateau next to us. Mm-hmm. And we see Stormform Parshendi for the first time. Shalon sees uh, Stormform Parshendi for the first time. A corpse of one. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she's doing some explanations. And then Bashin mentions to Shalon. Well, sorry, he, he says to Dalinar, but he mentions something of interest to Shalon that this is a type of Parshendi. Mm-hmm. And I'm, finally we have a scholar. Finally, yeah. Yeah. And she realizes they have specialized subspecies. And then, of course, Dalinar says a completely incorrect guess. We might be depleting their numbers, forcing them to send out their equivalent of light eyes to fight. Yeah. And the burns? I'm wondering because... If they can call a storm, I would think maybe the ones who are practiced enough could call lightning. That might explain the burns. Ooh. So, Well, there's an alive. There's an alive listener. Yes. And it's... Listen, I am very happy it was this one. The you. I tricked you. We're so mean about I it. I tricked you. So it's Shen. Uh-huh. Shen is back, and I think Relaying. you guys may remember that I said, oh, I hope he doesn't end up being one. And Meg says, just because he's a member of this just doesn't because mean he he's has the to. only, Just because he's the only Parshman we know, why would he be the spy? Megan's the worst, if you didn't know. April Fool's, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> And so they go they go to talk to him and yeah it's told that um his name is Relan R L Relain R L A I N And uh and Bridge yeah. 4 goes over with them to talk to him because he's Bridge 4. He's like, Bridge 4. I love that the idea of being in Bridge 4 transcends nationalities it transcends yeah. everything. It's just And so the idea that Moash is is um, betraying that. 
Yeah. Okay. Is bad. At this point, he's not. He is planning to. No, he thinks Kaladin's on his side. Okay, that's he, true. Yeah. But still. <laughs> he's if like, this is Kaladin is backing me up. I even double I asked him again, are you cool with this? And Kaladin said to him, yep. Moash doesn't know. Kaladin internally is like, this is very wrong, but I literally can't stop it. <laughs> Moash, at this point here in this book, does not think he's betraying Bridge. He thinks he is Bridge Fort. Doesn't matter if Moash doesn't think. The yeah. fact is he is. Listen, just picture. They're supposed to guard the king. Picture if how is this? How is this guarding the king? He is betraying everything that Bridge Four stands for. That's not true. And it, Bridge Four, excuse me. Bridge Four is not about loyalty to your king and your country. Bridge Four is about loyalty to each other because it was a That's high prince true. who made them bridgemen running for vengeance against a king none of them had ever met. And then this king they do have has you know royally messed up Moash's life before. Has thrown Kaladin in prison. Kaladin, when he gets out of prison, explicitly says to Moash, You were right about everything. I'm in on the plan. I'll help you make it happen. Now, we're seeing these books from Kaladin's point of view. And therefore, we have information that Moash does not have. Mm -hmm. So, uh, this uh, this page, at this moment, in the book. Because okay. listeners, don't come after me being like, Well, what about <laughs> I don't care. Especially this, that happens in book four. This moment in the book, Moash is like, Kaladin's 100% on my side. And Moash is like, this is going to be great. I'm going to kill Elokar, and then I'm going to stand up and like give the bridge four salute right after. And Kaladin's going to be like, great job, buddy. You did it. That's okay. Moash's dream scenario. <laughs> oh. Well, uh, so we're talking to Relaine. And and we're reading the epigraph. Right. Tell me about the epigraph. It says, Q, for what essential must we strive? A, the essential of preservation to shelter a seed of humanity through the coming storm. Q, what cost must we bear? A, the cost is irrelevant. Mankind must survive. Our burden is that of the species and all other considerations are but dust by comparison. From the diagram. Catechism of the Back of the Flowered Painting, Paragraph 1. Okay. So, Meg, you play a game. Horizon Zero Dawn! Horizon That's Zero. literally what I was thinking about! We're connected! We're connected! <laughs> and so you'll be able to explain it better. But just, that's what I was thinking of when, when this was, was going on. Because mankind in the game has had several apocalypses. Um, but has always managed to kind of come back from it. Mm -hmm. I hate the idea of, but at what cost? It doesn't matter the cost. I think it does matter the cost. I think it does matter the cost. And I think you're also misinterpreting Horizon Zero Dawn. Okay, I have not sat and watched the entire thing. I know. <laughs> you only see the same four scenes over and over somehow. I don't know how this keeps happening to me personally. So they had a lot of technology. They were able to reverse climate change. It mm -hmm. took like a whole decade. Mm -hmm. They were able to, you know, repopulate a lot of lost uh, endangered species. Great, all this sort of stuff. And there was a basically a robot army that 
broke out from under uh, their programming control. Mm-hmm. And they are now a rogue swarm. Okay. And want to devour every living thing because these bots use biofuel, sorry, biomass for fuel. Mm-hmm. And they, these robots were uh, basically different war robots created by a vainglorious billionaire who pushed through safety protocols and ignored them in order to get the next coolest and greatest thing out on the market. Yeah. And the way to hack the robots back is going to take 50 years. Easy. Mm -hmm. But the robots are devouring all plants, all animals, all like literally every living organism. The bots are devouring it so quickly that the entire world will be dead in a year and a half. They will not have the time to crack the code. Mm-hmm. So what they do in Zero Dawn is they have to accept that all humans existing today will be dead in a matter of years. Mm-hmm. And before they get wiped out, they set a computer program into effect. And I'm really simplifying this. They set a computer program into effect that will be able to hack the the escaped biomass eating robots back shut them down and then repopulate all life on earth mm-hmm. and that's what it's about and that i think is different from what teravangian's doing um because our burden is that of the species and other all other considerations are dust by comparison mm-hmm. the horizon zero dawn team realizes there's no way they could save themselves and it's more like we have to save the world for the people who will come after us. Mm-hmm. Which, to me, is a different sentiment from the species must survive. As if, like, the idea of humanity is some amorphous blob. Mm-hmm. But I need to make the world better for the next person who will use it, to me, is a very different mm-hmm. kind of feeling indeed. Yeah, And... There's a line from the Magnus Archives okay. where um, Martin is talking with an avatar of the lonely. Okay. And a line that's just, I think our experience of the world has value, even if it's not very long. Hmm. That humans inherently have value because they are humans, not because of their good deeds or bad deeds. Not because of the the help they bring or the hurt they bring. That every human life has value because it is a human life. And every everyone is a miracle. Now some people do bad things with their miracle. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that every human helps others in the same way. Or that... No human ever should experience a bad thing. Mm -hmm. But approaching any situation, you should enter it with the idea that because they are a human and because they are alive, there is a base level of respect and love that you owe them as another human. Even if they're a no-name character who dies during a (laughs) banquet scene, just because you don't know that person doesn't mean they're not a human. Everyone has a rich inner life. I didn't say I wasn't sad about it. (laughs) Sometimes we forget because we're video game people. Mm -hmm. And we 
just go into a bandit camp and just kill Murder all the bandits. everybody. Call you Seth. Yep. I, <laughs> you guys, I'm such a video game murderer. I'm a, I like to be like a sniper where I'll upgrade all my long range weapons. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love to do this in Ghost of Tsushima or Horizon. Just sit up somewhere really high. Mm-hmm. And just pick them off and one by one. just pick them off one by one. In real life, though, every human life has value. And that's that's a running problem with video games is, well, how do you have so many enemies, so many tasks to complete that doesn't involve just mowing your way through hundreds of NPCs? Yeah. What's the, what's the skill-building alternative to a violent video game? I don't know. I love violent video games. <laughs> I sometimes turn on the extra blood in Ghost of Tsushima. <laughs> That's an interesting, that's an interesting, it's an interesting take that they took on that. The extra know. blood? No. <laughs> also, you can get a charm on the new game playthrough that even gives you extra, extra, extra blood. blood. Knowing that this is from Teravangian, and like even hearing him in the previous book about like, oh, I'm so sad we have to do this, but it's necessary. Like, no, you don't have to do this. And I don't want to get into Zeth again because it's, it's a whole big thing. But I'm just saying that the cost is irrelevant. Mankind must survive. But, like, if you're killing people, that's not helping mankind survive. But yet this person sees it as that because they might get yeah. a hint of how to beat the final boss. Mm-hmm. I hate it. They see it as you have to prune a tree in order for it to grow bigger. Yeah, but I just... There's an acceptable level of sacrifice, Ooh. like Amaram said. And like Sadia says. And like Sadia says. And Brandon, you're making my brain hurt. And, you know, none of these problems have, like, easy answers because you can't just be like, I will protect everyone in the whole world because there are people who will try to hurt you. How are you supposed to, like, how is Kaladin supposed to, you know, if he's like, I want to protect everybody. How would Kaladin protect Sadius, someone in a position of power like fighting him? Who are you protecting other people from? Mm-hmm. And what if your idea of protecting someone isn't what they think? Shallan being like, do not lock me away. That's mm-hmm. not protection. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, Dalinar's in his tent. Um, so Relaine is sad because he says something has happened to his people. They are all gone. Yes. Sorry, we're jumping ahead a little I'm bit. I'm so sorry. Dalinar's thinking about Relaine. Mm-hmm. He remembers Kaladin asking him if this man could be armed. And turns out that, like, he was a spy the whole time. Mm-hmm. And the dead, the, the dead storm form, they've all got red eyes. Mm-hmm. Which is what has been spoken of in... As being a bad. sign. Yeah. Yep. And then Dalinar's thinking about how his son is betrothed to a member of the Night Radiant. And then Shalon's like, wait, wait, wait. No, I'm not one of those yet. And then Dalinar has some... A thought that I really like where that makes sense because one could be a trained spearman without being a soldier. Mm -hmm. Skill versus position. Yeah. Shallan is not invited to this meeting because Dalinar's like, we're not putting all of our eggs in one basket with this stranger. Too many people there already. So he salutes Dalinar and he still has his Bridgman's tattoo. And he will answer Dalinar when no one else has been able to get him to talk because he says, you're my commanding officer. Mm Mm-hmm. And Dalinar is so confused. He's like, you're Parshendi. Uh, you were a spy for how long? Three years. In various war camps. Yeah. 
And he's just saying, like, no one suspects us. Like, basically what Yasna has been saying the whole time. No one suspects us. We're the perfect spy. And then he says something is wrong. Okay, so this is probably the reason why he left. Is he heard Esh and I on the planes because he was the member of Bridge 4 guarding Adolin when Esh and I came. And that's when he's like, I have to go right now, Mm -hmm. immediately. She was my commander. And then this is when he says, he's talking about that I have reason to believe everyone I know, everyone I loved has been destroyed. Monsters left in their place. Mm -hmm. And this is another similarity to when a spren dies, they return to a force. Mm -hmm. That what's made the listeners who they are has been destroyed and there's something else in their place. And he's worried that his entire civilization is gone. Yeah. But he says, Surely they left some in other forms. The elderly, the young, who watches our children. And I am now worried that someone is going to go in retaliation. A la Order 66, Jedi Temple style, and find the the listener's kids. We do know that a huge group of them escaped. Yeah. Yeah. With? Uh, Eshenai's mom. Right, but she wasn't the one leading them. Who was leading them? It was Eshenai's lover, spouse... None of those things. No. What was it? It was Thude. <laughs> Thude, my dude. Yeah. I thought they were a thing. No. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm pretty sure Thude has a different partner. That's is not that, Ash and I. Is that his, her sister? No. Is that her partner? Okay. Thude and his partner were in, um, I'm sorry, I don't remember his partner's name. It doesn't have a cool rhyming <laughs> mnemonic like Thude, my dude. So a group of them have left. And mm-hmm. I don't think Verlaine knows about that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he's like, I have nothing left. And then Bridge 4 is like, you got us, buddy! <laughs> and Relaine looked at him. I'm a traitor. Ha, Rock said. Is a little problem. Can be fixed. <laughs> like, again, the weed. The fire moss. <laughs> Rock is not a stoner. <laughs> so, here Relaine explains... Our people can choose a form based on what they need. Dull forms look a lot like Parshmen. Hiding among them is easy. <gasps> so the Parshmen aren't a part of them. They're right. completely separate. <gasps> I'm sure we knew that before, but it's just dawning no, on we, me. We didn't get this clear oh, okay. of, of whatever. Because dull form still has music to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so when they said, where are their songs? Oh, yeah! okay, okay. So where'd they find the Parshman then? That we don't know. Okay. Yasna posited that, uh, the Parshman were enslaved after we defeated them as Voidbringers. Okay. But Parshman have been enslaved by humanity for generations at this point. Got it. Maybe even millennia. Okay. The history's a little fuzzy. And Navani brings up that we are very careful with sorry. our parchment. It's so rumbled. I'm so oh, sorry. <laughs> so pity it didn't get picked up on the mic. Um, Navani's like, well, we keep accounts of our parchment. And Relaine's like, yeah, but we're noticed, but we're not questioned. Because, oh, great. I found extra money on the ground. You're not going to question that. And then Dalinar says, dangerous territory. He notices the change. Noticing the change in the rhythm. The beat to which he was speaking, this man did not like how the Parshmen were treated. This reminds me of Teravangian noticing this in Zeth. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Paracinematic paradise. <laughs> so, what do the red eyes mean? 
relayed says it means our gods have returned what who are they is not what they wanted this is why they killed gavilar yeah and it It looks like it's happened anyway which i did not guess that is not something that I guessed. <laughs> Dalinar is noticing the change in the rhythm mm-hmm. in a way that most people don't. Yeah. And he asks, who are your gods? They are the souls of the ancient, those who gave of themselves to destroy. Uh, there's a different rhythm to his words this time, slow and reverent. They hate you and your kind, sir. This new form they have given my people, it is something terrible. It will bring something terrible. Hey. You don't have a lot of context for this. Okay. But we're going to read again the phrase, Who are your gods? They are the souls of those ancient, those who gave of themselves to destroy. Okay. Put a pin in that. Okay. Because we think gods, and we think gods are synonymous with creators. Are they the heralds? Rafo. Okay. I'm definitely not answering this. (laughs) Because... We'll find out in book four. Moash finds a scroll and it just tells you all the answers. I'm sorry. I love doing this with you. Uh, it's when, fun. When we were at, oh, now you know three people who are in book four. People are just so excited about who exists in book four, I guess. When we were um, driving up to Dragonsteel Con, mm-hmm. Priscilla and Marie like had mentioned two characters who are in book four and i'm like and now look at me a hypocrite you you did it um the reason i ask is i'm just thinking those who gave it themselves to destroy the heralds are supposed to like basically give them themselves like if they die they go to hell but they will come back so i'm thinking there's a connection there somehow they're supposed to give them themselves to destroy the void bringers destroy you know what was happening with the what is the the word called that's really bad that we don't want to happen. The desolations? Yeah. Yeah. That's my guess. Okay. Uh, and now Dalinar is like, if what you're telling me is right, then the most important thing you can do is lead your people. I will see to it non-combatants are protected. Uh, my word of honor. And if something terrible is happening, you need to help me to stop it. And Relaine is like, yes. And so then... Dalinar's like, you and Shalon Damar are study buddies Which he now. he's just like, Shalon, we can't bring you here because it's too dangerous. Oh. Okay, so is, it says... Sorry, this is a dumb question. Is Renarin in this scene? I don't think he is. Okay, Abelin's here. It, I don't think they said Renarin. Where is Renarin? We haven't seen him in a dog's age. Oh, no, here we go. General Call and Renarin were in another tent with Aladar and Roeon going over tactics. Okay. Okay. Man... I wish Renard got to hang out. Me too. Here. Um, so Dalinar says, Taleb, you may release the prisoner into the custody of Bridge 4. And I asked you this and you were like, okay, hold on. So it says, the old blood shard bearer nodded. And the old blood is capitalized. And obviously shard bearer is capitalized. And so I was wondering if that is like a club that people are in. Yeah. I do not know. I... I want to say it's just someone who's had a shard blade forever. Okay. But I will say with no confidence <laughs> that I, I'm making no claims. Okay. But anyway, that brings us to the end of today's reading. <gasps> We're done. So let's go back and name some, you know, check some heralds. Mm-hmm. All right, Emily, who's the heralds on 76, the hidden blade? We have Naylin. 
No. No. Nail has a hood. Ugh. Who has the helmet? The soldier. Jet. To Lenalat. Yeah. <laughs> I made a little t- noise and Emily just blankly was like, I thought it was. What does it mean? I thought it was a ch. And I'm oh, like, sorry. no, that's a, that's a female. Chichenarach is female. Uh, giant jewel on the forehead? Shalash. Yeah. Art and soldiers. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to say it. I think it's Caliban and Shalon. All right. Although it is a work of art, the way that Dalinar makes Amaram apologize. <laughs> All right, chapter 77, Trust. Paula is there. Yep. And Chichenarach. Yes! I'm High five! It. We've only been podcasting for all day today, and Ooh. I finally get it. All right. Next, 78, Contradictions. Shalash. Uh-huh. Ishik. Ishar. Ishar. Ishik is the Pure Lake guy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Who did not die in the alleyway. Did not die in the alleyway. <laughs> Ugh. And then the last bit in 79, towards the center. Who's the lady with the helmet on? You, you guessed her correctly two chapters ago. <laughs> it comes and goes. <laughs> oh, so, song of the week. Because of Verlaine, I kind of want to do the song My Boyfriend's Back. <laughs> okay. But um, I'm trying to think of... Oh, I'm, I'm hearing a song in my head that has the lyrics, The weep, the Weeping? It's not Danny Boy. <laughs> I don't know. Should we just do My Boyfriend's Back in honor of Verlaine? Is he your boyfriend? No, but he could be someone's boyfriend. He could be someone's boyfriend. Uh, my boyfriend's back in honor of Relaine and in honor of Moash talking to his Ugh. best friend Kaladin, who at this point Moash is like, Kaladin thinks is definitely on my side. And Kaladin's like, do it. Just do it. <gasps> it should be that one. Okay, maybe we should, well, <laughs> no, we'll save that one. Okay. okay. Song of the week. My boyfriend's back. All right. Uh, next week. Now, Emily, here's something exciting. Okay. We only have three episodes left in this book. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. So next week's reading is going to be chapter 80, To Fight the Rain. Chapter 81, The Last Day. Before the Everstorm. Chapter 82, For Glory Lit. And chapter 83... Time's illusion. Oh dear. There is a song that literally says time's illusion, so we should use that for time's illusion. (laughs) And you should do this reading next now, because I think you're going to really love it. Okay. All right, uh, listeners, I'm sorry I spoiled how... It was such a big spoiler. I know. So now you know three people who are in book four. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's always rumbling. Uh, I gotta get back to cleaning my kitchen. I gotta get back to reading the next chapters, apparently. I will believe in you. You will. You don't, I will. You don't right now. I've made will. a decision. <laughs> I will believe in you. I believe in you now. Ready? Ready? Break!
coming, young women. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of My Sister May Need Viewing, covering Words of Radiance by Brandon Sanderson. We are getting ever closer to the grand finale. I think the, the Sanderlanch is popping off, like, right away after this reading. Uh, if you love listening to Emily and I talk, check in with us for coverage of the 1999 Roswell series. We are now in season three it's so exciting our next episode of that will release thursday july 20 june 29th and then the week after that on thursday july for reels this time sixth we will be back again covering more words of radiance oh oh everything's getting so exciting Special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm, as our intro and outro music. And listeners, I hope you just have a great week and a wonderful weekend. I love you and I believe in you.